and welcome everyone to Spotty on Shares, the Q&A session for discerning share investors, of course, brought to you from the glamorous Ticket News Studios here in Richmond for the last time this week as we shine a spotlight on your shares and answer your questions live on air. So how do you get to ask your questions? Well, many of you have already figured it out. Our phones have gone into meltdown, actually. We've got a stack of questions today, uh, but uh, just in case uh, you do have one, text us 0480 079 089. Or you can email us, of course, question at spotty.com.au. Remember, folks, that's question without the S at spotty.com.au. You will see these details appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show, of course, so there's no need to memorize it. Uh, But it does help if you put in your smartphone when you have that uh, question that you need to ask. So let's bring in today's chief spotters, starting with our fine tradition of, well, speaking to the people that actually make the money rather than the ones that count it. Let's uh, give a warm, spotty welcome all to Scott Goddard from the Chartist on his debut today. G'day, uh, Scott. How are you going? Uh, yeah, how are you, mate? Oh, absolutely fine. As Nick goes into in his Tesla towards the sunset, our viewers <laughs> are champing at the bit, wanting to learn a little bit more about you and your background for, um, on investing, and more importantly, how you help investors every day at the Chartist. Well, I guess my investment journey started before I was a trader. Um, I have, a, I have a very strong belief that your um, understanding who you are as a person and your personality um, is really uh, determinant in the, the type of uh, systems and structures that you put in place as a trader. So I've done a psychology degree back in the 80s, travelled overseas after that for a couple of years, um, then uh, worked in uh, business for a period of time, understanding profit and losses, risk management, things like that. Uh, before heading around Australia in the year 2000 um, and uh, learning a lot about different cultures from overseas and around Australia, uh, going through different Indigenous communities and things like that. So I guess I, through all of that, I learned a lot about myself, which was really important to me as a trader now. And I really started trading seriously around 2000 uh, when I came back from travelling overseas, so just after 2000, 2001, 2002, and started off as a full-time trader as well, was trading everything under the sun, from futures to stocks, forex, uh, anything that you can imagine I was into as a trader and trying all sorts of different systems and structures. Very strongly focused on psychology and very strongly focused on risk management and position sizing eventually. They're things I had to learn the hard way. Um, came in contact with Nick from the Chartist um, not too long after that and got mentored by him by a little bit. I flew him down to Sydney to help us with a few things that I felt were stumbling blocks for me. Um, not that long after, a couple of years, I think Nick started the Chartist um, just himself and then uh, asked me to come along as their global analyst. So I'm the uh, global analyst for the Chartist. I look at Forex, I look at uh, futures markets, uh, anything that you can imagine, a lot of um, bellwethers in the US as far as stocks. And I've been enjoying my time there uh, for over 10 years now, I think it is. I've been with the Chartist and mm-hmm. it's just a, an absolutely fantastic business. Fantastic for subscribers who are experienced, uh, for novice traders. We do a lot of research. We do a lot of live stuff. We're extremely transparent. Um, trade recommendations, research, learning how to trade, um, we teach it all. So I have a big focus on Elliott Wave analysis now. That's my big focus, uh, pattern recognition, psychology, and especially risk management. Yeah, and look, let's face it, once you understand yourself and how you want to invest, really it's just the ticker, right? It's just the code that you can trade and ultimately the same principles carry irrespective of what 
uh, commodity markets or where they're trading here in Australia or overseas as well. But uh, yeah, now our viewers obviously know that they can go to a special page on the Chartist. It's the chartist.com.au forward slash spotty and they can actually access an investment blueprint um, that's been authored by, well, by the young man Nick himself, but something tells me that you might have had something to do with that uh, there, Scott, but we'll uh, leave that one alone. But, uh, yeah, big hello to Nick. I'm sure he'll be happy with the way you talked about uh, the business there in a moment. I know he's a big fan of the program. So let's look at the market at the moment uh, currently, Scott, and, uh, yeah, it's a big red day today, and I don't think you need to be a chartist to figure that one out. Uh, currently, the XJO down uh, 1.6%, the All Ordinaries. Um, also down a similar amount, which brings us to the first topic of today. And that is that US markets continue with their recent sell-off. And, you know, uh, basically it's a poof dinked relative to the recent gains that they've made, but nonetheless, investors are worried. It's been a good quarterly earnings season, but the bar is high, as we saw with Netflix after hours and United Airlines. Now, I won't ask you, Scott, what you think's going to happen from here, but I would be very interested, and our viewers would be interested, in what are the key levels that you're watching from here to see if there's a change to the uh, bull or bear case. On the XJO or S&P yeah, 500? XJO. US? Let's go to the XJO. On the XJO. Well, we've been running with the XJO being in corrective mode for a long period of time, since 2007. So everything's, ever since we got the GFC, um, and I'll speak in Elliott wave terms here, we, we were just looking that as an initial wave to the downside. So it was a very large wave, obviously a big crash from the GFC, labelled in our technical terms as a wave A only, and then the push up from there, a wave B only, and then the wave C came into play uh, with COVID. So that wave C locking in, ideally would like to see that as being a major low point, but that's a long time in the making, that big corrective move off the 2007 highs. So if that's the case, what we've got going on off the March to uh, off the March 2020 lows is a new bull run to the upside. Now, there's a bit of a proviso going on here in that it hasn't been overly impulsive. We, we really need to look at impulsive price action to the upside to be convinced that that is going to be the case in relation to a longer term bull run to the upside in the XJO. Mm -hmm. So it's still looking a little bit corrective. I'm labelling it as potentially impulsive to the upside and probably needing a little bit of a breather up towards the all-time highs, which we've sort of been approaching just recently. So I'm okay with the moment for the, with my labeling to the upside that I've got going on from an Elliott wave perspective. It is bullish longer term, but we're just gonna have to see what happens with uh, any dips to the downside and whether they continue to get supported. So we're up around the all-time highs, that's great. Um, we are potentially rejecting off there. That is totally normal. So I don't mind a rejection off here, a little bit of cleaning out going on, as long as the overall structures remain in place and remain robust. So that's how we're seeing things at the moment. Yeah, market zig and zag, it's total normal behaviour, uh, really. Uh, that's a technical term too, that zig and zag. You can go research that. But let's go into some company talk uh, now and Newix code NXL has downgraded its financial year 2021 revenue and profit forecasts. So they did increase their EBITDA forecasts after completing an internal management review. Oh, okay, I suppose they tried to do the sandwich approach. But nonetheless, no one really cares about that. This is a revenue game at the moment. And the stock, as we go to where, is currently down. Uh, let's have a look, 15.8% on the back of this. 
Um, it was look after the recent sell-off, it was cheaper, but it was still overpriced. Um, and we've talked about this stock before. It highlights really the risks of investing in this sector, being the IT sector. You know, it's been a weird beast since listing uh, this one here, Scott. What's your view in that chart? Because unfortunately, today's action's pretty ugly, isn't it? Looks terrible all around. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've even been tracking, you know, back at the beginning of the year, uh, already the start of a five-way pattern to the downside. And that's that's really negative and really bearish. So even before whatever happened today and the negativity of today, the chart was already telling you um, it wasn't in good shape at all. So if you look back at the beginning of the year on that chart, and I can clearly see a wave one, uh, a counter trend move to the upside for a wave two, a massive move to the downside, down to around that 450 mark for the wave three. And then we actually had a bearish triangle forming. Now that was from pretty much from early March, that bearish triangle ended up being a wave four. It was very clear, but it was very bearish looking already. So we've had a lot of price action to the downside already. And now this has just culminated in what's happened today with another big drop to the downside. So price action was already forecasting what's happening. Uh, we've got a fifth wave in motion to the downside and really it's just a matter of seeing where this is going to settle and when it does finally settle certainly not expecting any sort of v-shaped recovery would be expecting some sort of basing pattern but at the moment we don't know where that low is going to be yeah there was a lot of hype in regards to what's large but unfortunately it's just not met the grade it continues to disappoint and i dare suggest to investors that perhaps maybe just waiting on the sidelines and looking for something else could be a little Definitely. bit more interesting, such as possibly an ardent leisure, code ALG, uh, which gave an update today. And as expected, the revenue from the, uh, the Australian leisure business, well, that's been a little tough, particularly with the snap Easter lockdown that we saw in Greater Brisbane. But the US business continues to shine, uh, sorry, show signs of uh, life, uh, which basically is just as well, given that their loans are fully maxed in the US, uh, though here in Australia, they still have a little more headroom. Now, I'll be honest here, I took a nibble at back at 80 cents on this one, Scott. Um, sort of, uh, I know, not trying to catch a falling dagger per se, but it had based a little bit and we're starting to see signs of life and domestic travel also uh, should hopefully uh, reboost this one, particularly it's Australian business and the US guys, well, really, they don't care. They're just going out anyway. What would be your thoughts in regards to ALG's uh, price action? And today... We've got it up 5.95% actually to 98 cents. So probably one of the few green ones in my portfolio. Yeah, it's sitting at 98 cents. It's tagged a high today of 103 um, and just pulled back a little bit that just looking at the hourly price bar here. So it started off the first hour really strong. Second hour, got a little bit of a sell-off going off that 103 high. Uh, I do have um, major resistance pretty much sitting at a dollar. So a strong close above there could be quite positive. Um, the move off the March lows, and that's been a major low point back there. I think it was um, just above that 10 cent mark. Um, overall has been quite choppy and indecisive to the upside. So I'm still a little bit cautious about it. Nice little flag pattern just underneath that dollar mark before today's rise as well. So that was looking quite bullish because it was backed by some impulsive price action off the early March lows as well. Bouncing off the 200 day moving average, that's always positive. So we broke above it back in September, came back down, retested it around that was quite successful and then we got some impulsive movement to the upside triangle pattern forming below 
and then we've broken above that today. Now, it's just going to be a matter of where this sticks. I'd like to see this over a few days, see where it settles, see if it can stick above a dollar. If it can stick above a dollar, might be on, on the run here to the upside, but I'm just going to have to wait and see. But certainly reasonably positive off those March lows. I would have liked to have seen it a little bit more impulsive to the upside, a little bit choppy and overlapping. But that 200-day moving average around the 60-cent mark is continuing to hold. Yeah, for what it's worth, I was quite happy with the update. The rebound in the US business really was the kicker there. Uh, Australia, we know, continues to be that laggard somewhat, but they're using the downtime to fix some of their rides or improve them a little bit too. So I think that's all part of the course and the market's digesting that and, uh, yeah, relatively comfortable with its uh, progress today. Okay, folks, time for us to answer your questions, of course. Uh, even though you ask them, you have to remember we can't take into account your personal objective situations or needs, and therefore, should you decide to act on any information on any of today's uh, content, you need to do so within it or do so in light of your own personal circumstances. And if you want to talk to anyone, you have to have the discussion with someone who's licensed to have that talk with you. Uh, remember, though, we do try to disclose when we hold interest in stocks, um, but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, sometimes we forget. Uh, feel free to contact us directly if you wish to seek any clarification. All right, then. I do want to start with some heavyweights, if you don't mind. Um, here, Scott. The question comes from Kevin, who's our resident heavyweight uh, boxer. He wants to know about two stocks, Qantas, QAN, and Origin Energy, ORG. Now, whilst you look at the charts, I'll give my view. I don't like Qantas. Um, they think they're going to get back to 90% of pre-COVID capacity domestically while they're dreaming. There's no international business, but that doesn't hurt because it was tough to make a quid there. But I just can't see domestic returning to the levels that it was at. I think, you know, if you've had the good times basically with Qantas. We've seen a 30% retracement from pre-COVID highs. Uh, and really, that's where the price should be, in my view. I think it's sitting right at fair value. Um, and notwithstanding the rebound in domestic tourism, I think it's priced in and it's basically sitting where it should be at. In regards to origin, unfortunately, I don't like them either, uh, Kevin. <laughs> the vertically integrated model, well, it's uh, slaughtering them at the minute. Uh, it's a tough retail market, let's face that. It's highly competitive. It's a tough wholesale market. Uh, margins keep getting squeezed, uh, particularly on them losing that recent uh, decision with the arbitrator on beach. Uh, that's going to be weighing on the price, testing new lows. Energy generation will do okay, but it's a slow burn, pardon the pun. Uh, dividend is going to come under some more pressure in my view, so my answer is no, both in regards to Origin, ORG, and Qantas, QAM. All right, they're the fundamentals. What do you think, Scott, uh, on the chart? What are you getting from both of those? Okay, Qantas, I think in this environment, it's pretty hard to recommend this sector. Um, from a technical perspective, the bounce off the March lows, it's been choppy again. It's been choppy and overlapping, so not really liking that at all. Um, the road ahead could be choppy and choppy price action, really, from a trader's perspective. It's just not where you want to be. Um, so I'd be standing aside from trading this, um, especially when there's better opportunities elsewhere. So, yeah, too much chop for me and too much indecision fundamentally. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to the next question from young Anthony who asked about um, VentureX Resources VRX. Well, there's only one name that matters here, and that's the name Bill Beeman. Uh, I explained I have a man crush on Bill. Um, he's signed deals, <laughs> the latest with Anglo-America. It's on the move with an initial uh, large investment there. It's basically uh, doing all the right things here at this point here. Uh, for, the, for you, Scott, even, and for those that don't know, Bill previously uh, founded, started, and got um, Northern Star. And I saw they had a nice production update mm. today, uh, which was also very pleasing to see. 
Um, and therefore, this is one where you back the jockey. And you'll see there was that big share price uh, initially in regards to uh, VXR. Um, oh, that's not the chart, I don't think. Uh, that's VIX. I think he's got up there on screen. I've got to get some glasses. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, with regards to VentureX, um, it, it popped on the back of Bill joining the firm. Um, but its price yeah. has stabilized and, and gone a bit there. So what sort of levels would you be watching from this sort of price action? Because it is quite interesting, really, when you look at the chart over that longer time frame. Well, I've got a sad story with this one. I had a trade set up on this. I had a reverse head and shoulders pattern uh, bullish uh, with a trade trigger at 17.5 cents. And then it went into a trading halt and uh, opened up on the 22nd of February, yeah, uh, well and truly higher at about 25 cents or 20 cents, whatever it was yeah. that it opened up, skyrocketed up since. Um, I've learned a long time ago not to get involved in FOMO, so I certainly didn't chase that at yeah. all. It was very disciplined in regards to that. Um, not that it's paid off, of course, but that reverse head and shoulders was an absolute beauty. Um, just waiting for that 17 and a half trigger. I think it closed around the 12 cent mark or 13 cent mark before it went into that trading halt and then doubled in price, I think, on the open roughly. Now, the thing with this is this was in a major um, basing pattern basically for about eight years, this stock. Um, so the old resistance was at 39 cents and it's obviously blasted up above that. It's come back down now a little bit, but it's probably retesting that old resistance at 39. So I'm, I'm liking anything above 39 cents on this stock. So this consolidation, it was just needed. You know, it was a big run yeah. forward. Um, consolidation is extremely healthy. So if this can consolidate now above old resistance and start proving that it's going to be a support line at 39 cents, um, very positive on it. Uh, and thank you very much. I didn't know you were a keen watcher of Spotty because, of course, one of the key themes we always talk about is don't chase for heaven's sake. And yeah. I'm glad that you reiterated that message. And, yeah, as it's um, highlighted uh, right here, I do want to touch on a question. Um, I'll spare you this one um, at the moment, but I will come uh, with you with Macquarie uh, in a moment. But I do want to talk about yep. American Pacific Borate, and the code is ABR. Now, uh, the question was asked by Phil. It's an older one, so I'll just uh, touch off on it. Now, basically, they're looking for borates, or otherwise known as boron, which is, of course, the fifth element in the periodic table and is used in things like food production, making ceramics, and, of course, cosmetics. Uh, and, yes, and you guessed it, clean energy and battery production. These guys have got a bit of pie and everything. Now, here's the thing. Boron is considered one of the strategic elements that the U.S. require, um, and basically they're looking to set a policy in order to provide that. We know that it sent things like rare earths into the sky. Rio is the uh, U.S.'s largest uh, current producer by supply. Expected That is expected, though, to stay stable for the next eight years. So to be quite frank and honest with you, there is room for some more boron in the U.S., I suggest. Um, that is, of course, if you exclude Turkey, um, who have the capacity to grow production as well. And really, that's where the main threat is. Uh, Fort Katy is the mine, which is uh, basically, it's been mined once before, but recent studies think it can be extended by some 20 years. Uh, phase one is fully financed, which is good from a miner's perspective, or those of us that play that game, we do want to see that. Um, and production is expected in the third quarter of 2021. It's expected to earn a significant amount of EBITDA. The price has gone up on the back of that. Really, the sky's the limit. They're also looking to list in the US as well. There's a lot of positivity around that one, Phil, and hopefully you've held it uh, for a little bit. But, um, Scott, I do want to touch a question from great Peter. He's a great man, asks his regular questions. He wants to talk about Macquarie. Now, he's yep. come from the bull case, which is things like 
JP, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America in the US have been releasing some good quarterlies. Macquarie have a history of being rather subdued in providing earnings outlooks. They always tend to under-promise and overperform, or at least for the last seven or eight years they've been doing that. Unfortunately, they still have a large interest in UX, you might be interested to know, NXL. <laughs> um, anyway, Macquarie no. down a little bit today, pretty much in line with the broader market. But, um, but he's just wondering whether there's a short-term opportunity to buy into this stock, given that, um, you know, at least there's been some support quarterly and that they could produce a surprise when they release their numbers not too long from now. Well, I guess there's a bit of guesswork in there, isn't there? Macquarie is hanging around its all-time highs at the moment, which is a positive. That's fantastic. It's getting a little bit choppy lately. It's been choppy for a while. Um, and there is a gap in there as well from back in February from around that 135 level. Um, I'm just slightly concerned about the chop and the hesitation that's going on at the moment. I know results are coming up. But when you look at this run to the upside that's been so solid, the break into new all-time highs, I'm just wondering how much of a good result is already baked into this. And quite often you see good results coming out and um, profit-taking come into play. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see that in Macquarie at all unless it was something absolutely outstanding that they um, release I think coming up in May. So at the moment it's in all-time highs, it's a positive, it's looking good overall. I'm just um, wondering when stocks do break into new all-time highs, they don't just generally scoot higher unabated. Quite often what you see is a move to the upside and then you start seeing retesting of that old all-time high area. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all, which means you'd have time to invest in Macquarie. I'm not a big fan of investing in stocks when they're about to uh, report <laughs> um, because you can just get all sorts of things going on, yeah. gaps to the upside, gaps to the downside. So, and like I said, I'm anticipating that at least some of a good result is already baked into this. So um, I'd be a little bit cautious um, shorter term. Yeah, well, Peter, they're guiding for a lot um, uh, for a decline in profitability. So that uh, surprise to the upside that uh, Scott was talking about, I think you'd be looking at any growth. If you get any growth, then that will be uh, the surprise the market will want to see. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's already baked into the price. Um, I do want to uh, touch on a uh, question here in regards to uh, where are we? I did have it here a second ago. Greg, oh, the great Greg. Uh, Dicker Data, DDR. And I like talking about this stock because it's a business that I'm happy has proven me wrong over the past year. I mean, look, when you look at its business model, it's a distributor of hardware, software and related products. It has skinny margins. So what's so special, right? Well, I'll tell you what's special. What's special is return on equity above 40% and strong cash generation and a dividend yield of 3%. Well, that might do it, particularly after um, the relatively solid um, price there. Now, DDR, you can throw COVID into the mix. Uh, cram companies scrambled uh, to look for a new way to do business uh, and they were fast and voila, you get a high of $12.46 two months ago. Now, uh, the year ahead sees them focusing on building their financial services business that they split out in 2019. Uh, I traded this on the way up, Scott, I'm out now, but what do I need to get back in in your view? Because it's had a, uh, as you would say, I dare suggest a healthy pullback from that high. Um, mm. Is this a more stable level at this point? Well, I had a look at this and was able to run an Elliott wave count off this. Mm. Now, 
with Elliott Wave in uptrends, basically what you're looking for is a five wave, a clear cut five wave move to the upside, which is clearly bullish. Now that high from back in February, I think it was, I've labeled this as a high degree wave three or C. Now to keep that in simple terms, if it's a wave three, basically this dip to the downsides of wave four and what we're looking for is a five wave pattern to the upside. So another swing to the upside if that analysis is correct. Now the wave C is there because it could also be an ABC larger corrective move off the lows. And if that's the case, we're gonna be looking for a deeper move to the downside. There's a couple of things here. Again, just in Elliott wave speak, and I'll try and keep it as layman as possible. This, in my view, is a wave four of a higher degree, this dip to the downside. Now, generally being higher degree, it'll take a little bit more time to complete. So we could get some more churning around here. It's already retraced the Fibonacci 23.6% retracement. Okay, so that's come in at 10.55. So we've already hit that. Wave fours typically retrace 38.2% of the previous bull run higher. So that's a little bit lower. Um, and that comes in around 9.30. Interesting to note there, the confluence with dynamic support in the form of the 200 day moving average almost to the tick right on that 9.30 area. So there's a nice demand confluence there from a Fibonacci perspective and also from that standard 200 day moving average. Something else that's also developing here, we've got the potential for a bearish head and shoulders pattern to be playing out as well, which means we could still zigzag lower and that would set up that 38.2% retracement even a little bit lower. Um, so if that were to occur, that would be a break of that neckline and that's just below that $10 area there and that would see a move to the downside. Now, something that I've been noticing a lot on head and shoulders patterns at the moment is that they're breaking the neckline and they should head deeper, but they don't, and they reverse very quickly back to the upside, back above the neckline. It's called a bullish continuation pattern. I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see something like that. So uh, it gets traders offside because they get stopped out and it quickly yeah. reverses. Bullish continuation pattern would be a move above the right shoulder wherever that develops. I'm looking ahead here because we haven't really got a right or we potentially could have a right shoulder in place, possibly not. So overall though, I've got a high degree wave three only to the upside here. That means yes, we've got a wave four in motion here, could go on for a little bit longer, but certainly the potential for another move to the upside here, medium term. Okay then, all right, we'll uh, definitely uh, have the finger on the button there, ready to go if and when we need to use it. Uh, Costa, uh, remember yesterday you asked us about a nickel ETF that we had absolutely no idea oh. about. Why? Because there are no nickel ETFs on the Australian market. But when you bring in the guy that makes the money, not the one that counts it, as we have here with Scott Goddard from the Charters, of course, today, um, you do get uh, someone who can uh, throw up something. And, of course, he does look at the U.S. market quite frequently. And you found a little gem for us, didn't you, Scott? So, Costa, tune in. <laughs> Possibly. And I've got a stock for you later, Costa, when I do my um, top two um, in nickel. Uh, yeah, I had a look at uh, Barclays Capital is the issuer of an ETF um, in relation to nickel called JJN. Uh, that's the code, JJN. Yep. It's been around since the beginning of 2018. Now, nickel's had a little bit of a dip, um, but I'm quite okay with it at the moment as well. From a bullish perspective, it's come back down to the around the 50% retracement zone. If you're looking at that ETF, 
um, just on that ETF price at $61.79. Now that's an exact 50% retracement, I like 50% retracements. It's a good number where you start seeing buyers come back on board. Now, if this is a wave two to the downside for nickel as well, you could be looking at a 61.8% retracement. Now that's lower at 57.54. And I have to say, when you're looking at this chart, it is consolidating at the moment, indicating that a little bit lower is still possible. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But it's oversold right now as well. Um, but, you know, overall, um, whilst 57 continues to hold in this ETF, I'm certainly very positive about it. Um, the only thing with ETFs costed to keep in, uh, in mind is liquidity issues. So they can gap around a little bit if you're going to go for an ETF rather than investing in uh, nickel stocks. But so potentially we've hit a low in this on this retracement. But also, there is scope for a little bit lower, but overall I'm bullish longer term. Excellent. There you go, Costa. We always look after our own. I do uh, want you to put your education hat on uh, in a moment here, Scott, because we've got a really interesting uh, question from young William who asks about uh, Province Resources PRL. Now, this stock has been on a tear. Uh, it's involved in uh, green hydrogen, uh, which is in vogue. It rocketed up yesterday on the announcement that it had signed a memorandum of understanding, which is basically nothing, but it's uh, somehow an agreement. It's like one of those things that, you know, the politicians always show when they sign something which doesn't really mean much. But nonetheless, though, it is in place, apparently. Uh, the person they signed that MOU with was a company by the name of Total Erin uh, to potentially develop an 8 gigawatt green hydrogen project in Australia near uh, Carnarvon, actually, uh, in the Gascoigne area. Now, there's a long way to go on this one here to be realised, but what is uh, not in question, really, or what I think, let's go back here. His question relates to the steps that this stock has taken taken some pretty vicious steps up. Now, to give you some background, Scott, young William is a, uh, a trading uh, enthusiast and he's wanting to develop his skills over the long run. Mm. And he's been on PRL and he initially wrote to us lamenting that he didn't sell on that first dip, thinking that had done the whole, you know, pop and drop type pattern that can often happen with these really little guys. But due to his inertia, he got that second wave up. And I dare suggest he's now probably caught that third wave up. So I think he's just trying to develop as part of his investment strategy and plan a way that he can manage circumstances like this, where, you know, he's not, you know, to try to avoid kicking himself, locking in profits, but then trying not to miss out on these sort of things that little guys can do from time to time. What sort of guidance would you be able to provide young William? Well, don't lament for a start. <laughs> yeah, We've all certainly true. been there and uh, it's really a matter of sticking to your strategy. So anything that you enter, like I'm just really rigid on this as far as risk management, everything should have a stop. Now when you're dealing with volatile stocks like this one, um, you know, you're either running with a pretty wide stop, um, so you just need to have a look at your own personal risk profile and position sizing extremely important when you're dealing with a volatile stock and that means not overexposing yourself not buying too much of it if your stops going to be fairly wide and in these sort of stocks you know your stops are generally reasonably wide at least initially once you get into profit all well and good no problem there this has been basically moving to the upside via um, some higher highs and higher lows so that's certainly very positive indeed and yeah yesterday's price bar was a beauty We've got a gap sitting there now as well 
which I think is around that 15, gap left at 15.5 cents. So I'd be keeping an eye on that gap. Uh, markets do like to fill gaps. Um, so we might get another dip to the downside. Doesn't mean uh, it'll put a halt to this higher highs and higher lows. I like that. If we did get a break of these higher highs and higher lows, that's a routine that price action's in at the moment. Uh, it might be best to be exiting on this. But at the moment, we've got higher highs, higher lows. That's all very positive. I'd be watching the gap at 15.5 cents and uh, certainly run with um, your risk management here, whatever that might be. Don't run without a stop because this could easily turn to the downside as well. But at the moment, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, just remember, Will, with these little guys where liquidity used to be sparse and then all of a sudden it comes flooding in, you know, it, it's really hard to do chart setups and uh, position size, like that sort of thing, because mm. it is a bit of a, you know, you either hit it out of the ballpark or you get run out at first base. So it, it's a little hard. Just make sure however you approach whatever stock it is, big, small, liquid, illiquid, whatever it is, that you have that strategy there and don't suffer investors' lament. Um, just like uh, young Scott mentioned there, it'll drive you insane, seriously. And it'll actually end up, you'll end up making more mistakes than it's worth. Just stick to your plan with discipline. And I know he actually did mm. download, uh, Scott, you'll be interested to know, he went to the charters.com.au forward slash spotty and he downloaded that white paper. And I know he's read it, haven't you, William? Good man. All right, I'll, you take a break there for a moment there, Scott. I'll talk about uh, Cyprium Metals, C-Y-M is their name. Um, I like this copper play. Uh, now that they uh, bought Middle X's copper assets for some $60 million. Now, this includes the old Nifty Mine, uh, which is actually still one of the top 20 copper deposits in all of Australia, despite being shut down in 2019. As part of the deal, they also get the Maroochydore asset too, which looks uh, quite good. In fact, it equals around 1.1 million tonnes. Now, they also had a very promising uh, result and update from Nanadai, uh, with some uh, at uh, copper grades found at a shallow level, cheap to extract and promising for more drilling. There's actually a lot of holes being drilled at the moment. And really, they're swinging left, right and centre. They're like a, a, a boxer that's, uh, you know, uh, punch drunk. They just don't know where they're standing. They're just throwing hooks and all sorts of things. And it's quite exciting, actually, to be part of this story at the moment. Now, I think this is a cracking trading stock, uh, Scott, in my view. Be interested in regards to CYM. And also uh, good old Dr. Copper, because we know uh, many of us uh, look to that as a gauge on the economy. Um, so uh, given your knowledge in that commodity space, we'll be interested in your view on copper uh, as well as uh, this one here, CYM. Um, we've got a trade recommendation that's triggered in copper um, okay. for our subscribers at the Chartist. Um, I'm bullish, basically, uh, without going onto that chart, liking it very, very much. Um, and it's been in the doldrums for a long period of time, copper. So Dr. Copper, yep, um, I'm anticipating higher prices in that. As far as CYM, um, I'm not a fan at the moment, um, no offence, but um, a move above five cents I think is needed. It's rejected off 35 cents quite a lot. Um, and I'd really like to see it um, bust above that 35 cent level. Again, the 200-day the, the moving average acting as dynamic support and has been since, you know, late October last year. That's a positive. Every time it's dipped down towards that since then, um, it has up some buyers. So that's quite good. Um, I'm just noting as well, if it did take another bit of a dip to the downside to recess that 20 cent area in the um, dynamic support again, uh, we could get some bullish divergence coming into play. I'm kind of liking the volume that I've seen lately as well because it's been uh, above average lately 
and um, price action hasn't moved to the downside. So it certainly indicates there's some buying going on there or some accumulation going on there at these present levels. But personally, I'd like to see it get above 35 cents. Uh, that's been a long time in the making. Yeah, no, very fair too in that chart there showing that double top and a few shoulders too. So uh, there's even potential risk to the downside too. So watch that one quite carefully. Um, Scott, a question from Neil. He was wanting the panel's view in regards to Hastings Technology Metals, code 8AS. Um, he said that they've come out with a fantastic announcement uh, this week with their offtake to uh, Thyssen Krupp. So just a bit on the company. Well, yep, rare earths in the Gascoigne area. Jeez, I'll tell you what, that place just keeps on giving, doesn't it? Uh, the uh, Yang, Yang Banner, I should, Yangin Banner, I should say, project is their nameplate. Uh, and in February, they raised some $100 million to build a plant there. Uh, the raising validated now, given the Thyssen Krupp deal uh, that's come on board, they're going to be taking 9,000 tonnes uh, per year for the first five, year, five years. I think it's 5,000 every year after. Look, I like the sector. I like Linus. I like vital metals. I like a roofer. I like American rare earths. You know, and HAS, I should say. So, Scott, your view in regards mm. to uh, HAS, uh, where it's sitting at the moment, I know it has retraced a little bit, as a lot of the rare earths companies have in recent times, to be fair. Um, they had their moment in the sun and now they're dipping down. I think they need something from the US to be another stimulus. But on its merits, what's that price doing right now? Yeah, look, uh, it has been... Um in a bit of a, a shorter term downtrend pretty much since January. And there's been something that's really interesting to note here is there's been a lot of sellers. So the volume's been quite high on the negative price bars off that um, off that January high. So that's a little bit concerning at the moment. I noted as well, it's just down slightly, oh, it's down 7% at the moment, down 1.5 cents to 19 cents. And that's off the back of yesterday, which had a little bit of a spike in volume. But you'll note on that particular price bar yesterday, the price closed towards the lower end of that price bar as well. So there's sellers still sticking around here at the moment. Um, and we really don't want this to break below 17 cents. It certainly won't be a good look. And there's no guarantees that that won't happen. So little bit concerned with it at the moment. The move off that March-April lows overall still looks corrective, but if it can hold 17 cents and start moving forward, that might start turning impulsive and impulsive price actions bullish. I'm just not seeing signs of it at the moment. A little bit concerned about this dip to the downside at the moment, mainly because it's had a lot of sellers attached to it. So if they can wane, get out of the way, um, and still for this price to stay above 17 cents that will be a positive but we're just going to have to wait and see there's still sellers around here at the moment all right excellent great analysis thank you very very much uh quick question from bernie actually before i ask about your two stocks there um there uh, scott um just in regards the company in question is erd erode limited it's actually one of the better performers uh, on our market today Bernie was saying he was watching a promo on driverless automotive transport and the stock ERD came up. Uh, it's a relatively new stock based out of New yeah. Zealand. He tells us a little bit more background, but don't try to do my job. Let me do it for you, um, if you don't mind, Bernie. Yeah, look, it is. That's right. It's basically a telematics company, uh, which in effect is monitoring cars and monitoring fleets and the like, using the internet and, and the device attached to the car and the like. They actually won a big contract last year. You'll see that in the announcements with Toll New Zealand as well. The reason why you saw this in the promo ad is because we know we're going to go into driverless cars one day, et cetera, et cetera. 
But the problem is, until you lay out all the technology to stop these cars banging up against each other or worse, still going off the highway, then you really need to instill all the technical uh, things along the side and the like and along these tollways, which is what they're focused on in trying to create a position there. Now, if you look at their current business, yeah, they sell dash cams and a few other things and they all look good and that's great. I mean, they're profitable, which is also great. Um, but it's important to note, though, that existing business, the expected growth of that is not really that exciting. They pretty much expect very similar, if not single digit uh, earnings growth moving forward. But when you do read their announcements, the exciting bit is, is that they're spending 20, 27% of revenue on R&D which is, Bernie, really the kicker in this one here in regards to what they could do and how they could be part of the driverless uh, revolution that's occurring out there. Because let's face it, you just can't put a car on our roads at the moment. You need to build the infrastructure in order to make sure the cars can talk to one another and stay apart and do all that sort of thing. And that's what these guys are trying to do along toll roads uh, and then inevitably selling their services, I'm sure, to local councils and whoever else they, they need to in order to ensure that we're all safe and sound. But ERD, I talked about the good price movement today uh, there, uh, Scott. What's your view in regards to it? It sort of had a big old, um, you know, that's a big cup. Uh, is it going to create a handle, I suppose, from this point here? What do you think? Yeah, well, it's already gone into, it's only, look, it's only a young stock, so yeah. don't have a lot of price action to work with on it. Um, coming off those March lows, it's been very strong to the upside, so the recent March lows, that is. So uh, it's low liquidity, so I think it's got 82 million shares on issue, so that's pretty low, and that means you can get gaps to the upside and to the downside. Yeah, it's great at the moment, it's gapping to the upside. Um, and today, yep, it's up 8.7% 8, 8 at the moment. It's at $5.12, but it did tag a high of 5.45. Yeah. So I'll be very interested to see uh, whether we've got a bit of a halt going on here in relation to uh, some form of intermediate top being in play and getting a little bit of a retracement to unwind it all. But we've got gaps all over the place here to the upside. Some of those may need filling. Um, and it's just something you need to keep an eye on with these stocks. Sure, if you got in at these lows, you can run your stop up, no problem, and you're well and truly into profit. But this is a hard one just to jump on board with without a low risk setup appearing. And like I said, low liquidity stocks, they're pretty hard to do and, and pretty hard to manage your risk on. So, yeah, it's looking good. Um, don't have much price action to go off as far as looking at longer term things on this, but this initial move off the March low has been very positive. It's gone into new all-time highs at 5.45, but at the moment it's had some sellers come in on that, so it'll be interesting to see where it sits on the close. Yeah, and then uh, possibly filling that gap, the older adage, of course. Well, Scott, it's time for There's you to step up the and total off and do our own research and see if they align with their own personal objectives and tolerance to risk. So, Scott, take it away, Maestro. Yeah, look, I've just got a couple of small caps, actually, and one of them's not uh, a stock not really talked about that much, and um, it's coming off its lows. So this is an early one. It's certainly not ready to trade at the moment, so it's got a lot of supply to get through, but maybe just chuck this one on your watch list. It's PAN. It's Panoramic resources mm -hmm. and it's involved as i was saying before in relation to costa this is a, a nickel play um and it's involved in some other things as well with copper cobalt um and i think it's also got uh some uh platinum and palladium um projects 
Um, it's recently um, stated that it's going to uh, start production again. So basically, it's just been on caretaker. This is a former um, dividend payer as well. And basically, at the moment, I'm really liking how this has um, basically come down and, and sold off. Then it's accumulated. And then buyers have started coming on board pretty much since around September last year. Now, the breakout for mine is at 18.5 cents. So I think it's probably sitting around 15 cents at the moment, 15 and a half cents. And it's got a real ton of supply hanging between the level that it's at now and 18 cents. And once it gets through that, the breakout higher off this base could be quite positive. Um, if it does break out, and I wouldn't be getting involved early on it, but uh, at 18.5 cents, that could signal a breakout if it sticks and uh, got a target, an initial target up towards that 30 cent level. On well, that I need one. you to be quick with the second one, Scott. Sorry. Second one. Okay. Very quickly. It's uh, Fire Finch Limited, FFX. Similar pattern to PAN, actually. A basing process that's been going on. Looks like it's breaking out around that 29.5 level. So around present levels, it's looking pretty good. Uh, target up towards 45 if it can sustain above this uh, 26 to 27 level. Okay, FFX and PAN are the codes. You already know all my lists, everyone, so I don't need to participate. But on behalf of all of you, thanks to Scott Goddard from the Charters on his cracking debut today. And I sincerely hope Nick lets you come play with us again soon, one day. Thanks, Elia, very much. Okay, look to the website to see who's appearing on the show next week. You know where to send your questions if uh, you need to get uh, them in early. And until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been showing the spotlight on shares. Take care, everyone.